Jules here. A uh, friendly reminder that this is part two of our Adventures in the Forgotten Realms Prime Pick episode. Uh, that's 31. So if you have not listened to part one, you should back out now, listen to that, and then come back here and listen to this. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Like every card that you need. Anyway, uh, let's not talk about that and talk about something fun. Fun, flavor, flavorful, tasty. Uh, we've already we've already been <laughs> gushing over the flavor uh, in this set. Um, Eric has sort of been our guide in terms of yes, these things actually exist, which is just a nice little uh, you know confirmation. But um, they've actually taken the flavor not from not only from the the characters and the locations, but the the, the spells and the actions that you can have in D anD D in the terms of what they are calling flavor words, I suppose. Yeah, I, I did have to look that up. It, they are technically called flavor words. So, so what are they, Chad? Just for just for context. <laughs> so, flavor words are the thing that you see on the card um, for a lot of these Forgotten Realms, where it's the italicized text next to the actual ability. So, a lot of these abilities are things we've seen before, and the flavor words are the things that kind of announce it on the creature, and you ignore probably after your first three times reading the card. So it, 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 they are words strictly for flavor. Exactly. Amazing. Amazing. It's funny how those things line up like that. They do, they, they do bring like a certain element, especially something we explored in the, the D&D game um, that we played with EDH over the weekend was this set of 12 cards uh, or cycle thing um, that start with you dot dot dot. And it's an action, right? So it's like you fell into a river or you go to a tavern. And then the two flavor-worded abilities are choose one. And so it gets this big choose-your-own-adventure vibe. And there, I think, they really kind of flourish. And on some creatures, they're also, like, very very good and nice to see. Um, but at the same time, sometimes they're a little bit extra. But, except for these four occasions that yes. are amazing. These four occasions are the definitive best four. Um, and I, I'm just going to start with mine because it's the definitive best one, if I, I, eh. do, if I do say so. Uh, and that's 50 feet of rope, which already is just, this card is so meme but but it's perfect in the flavor. It's, it's not even that good of a card. Um, one thing that's great is that Eric informed me that when you begin playing D&D, you know, classes, characters get like, just kind of like a base set of like, these are just things that you start with, right? And 50 feet of rope is, is one of those things. Just in case, you know, you need it for things like, uh, climbing over, uh, tying up, and uh, <laughs> repelling down. Those are the three flavor words on this, and uh, e each one is wonderful. Uh, it's a one-man artifact, 50 feet of rope, and to climb over, you can tap it, and target wall can't block this turn. You're literally just you're throwing your rope up and over, and you're, you're getting over there. They can't block it. It's just, just perfect. Uh, you got tie up, three mana, tap tap the 50 feet of rope. Target creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. It's going to be a little time to untie itself. Uh, maybe get its friends to come and help out. But in the meantime, you snuck through. And lastly, uh, if you're feeling like you want to venture, you can repel down for four and tap, and you will venture into the dungeon uh, only as a sorcery. So a combination of this card just being a meme, having three sets of flavor words, and them all being so simple but hitting so hard, uh, I think just the pure simplicity on this card um, is what makes it an absolute win in terms of flavor words. I uh, I really do agree. 
as a DM who has seen players use their 50 feet of rope for all of those things, it is it's an absolute <laughs> flavor home run. And, uh, yeah, as Julian mentioned, uh, pretty much every starter pack in the game, so, like, the Explorer's Pack, the Dungeoneering Pack, the Adventurer's Pack, uh, all 50 feet of rope. I think even, like, the Clergyman's Pack or the Priest's Pack or whatever might also have 50 feet of rope just because. In case you have to... No, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. I'm not don't. Say don't. Say We're it. not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Instead, uh, let's talk about... Uh, honestly, let's talk about my favorite card, because I want to. Uh, is Asmodeus the Archfiend. Uh, Asmodeus the Archfiend is a creature so wild that uh, D&D has not yet even like put out a stat block for him. He is the ruler of the nine hells he is the king of the devils he is the all-powerful and the almighty like force of evil and this is one of those things where i saw his card and i was like there's a lot of cool stuff going on here but like i'm kind of surprised he's only a six six uh but then i thought about it and i read this this flavor word or his flavor words and i was like actually this makes a ton of sense so this is nowhere near as powerful as Asmodeus the Archfiend would be, but this is a great representation of what you might get if you were a patron of his. If you were a warlock or someone who had sold your soul to him, uh, you would get some, some modicum of power, some ability to uh, conjure forth like some avatar of his or like some a physical like devil that looks like him. So that's, that's the 6-6. Six, six. But then the binding contract... That that's what gets you the drawing cards. That's what gets you sort of that exile effect, sort of this cursed knowledge. Uh, and so I love that the binding contract is illustrated so well here in terms of like being a blessing and a curse. And then it's also like an evil looking creature that draws you seven cards. So it's it's also a shout out to Grizzlebrand, which is just great. <laughs> I think it's also worth mentioning, uh, if we go the, the root of Christianity here, he's a 6-6 six, six for 6, which makes Very him 6-6-6. Six, six, six. I didn't even think of I that. I mean, a lot of Good creatures catch. are like that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but but he's also a devil <laughs> that was That was done with That's intention, true. I think. Yeah, perhaps. 100%. Right. I mean, <laughs> technically, Morag Fury Vakum is a 6-6 six, six for 6, but... Uh, I don't think anyone's thinking he's ruling the Nine Hills anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, no, he, he's just chilling in the Mountain Pass. Yeah, this card is this card is sick, and um, uh, Eric, I want I want I want you to let us know if if anything comes up uh, on the higher power levels more competitively with this because when I'm seeing draw seven cards, I'm the gears are turning. I'm it's, thinking it's necrotic. Getting, it's getting dangerous. Oh wow! Pop that in the yard. Draw wow. seven for three. Wow! That actually just blew my mind, Eric. Can we confirm that that's that's wild? Uh, sorry, one second, I just, I, can you just confirm what's going on with Necrotic Ooze here? Necrotic Ooze with, uh, Asmodeus in the, in the yard. Oh, oh, cause it only gets the activated abilities, not the passives. Yeah, baby. Sorry, I was just a little behind. I was, my, my brain was Get me those seven cards. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that's something else. Yeah. If you have a reanimate shell with Necrotic Ooze... And a space open, I would certainly toss Asmodeus in there because 
sometimes you get to reanimate him, and that's pretty good. And sometimes you get to draw seven for three mana because you have the ooze out, and that's wild. <laughs> Dang. Whew. The gears are really turning now, boys. Yeah, Chip, that's spicy. Good call. So another, uh, you know, we, we saw Asmodeus the Archfiend. He's supposed to be the, the Lord of the Hells or whatever. But allow me to introduce you to an even more terrifying black creature with probably comparable flavor words. And that is Baleful Beholder. Um, for those of you who still don't know, a Beholder is just a giant orb with an eyeball. But it's kind of spooky looking and has some tentacles sometimes. So on top of being one of the best arts in MTG history... Uh, which, of course, I love talking about here on the pod. Uh, it's shooting laser beams at some poor person. Um, this is the only card in Forgotten Realms where I feel like the flavor words were being yelled at me, which made me instantly pay more attention to them. And they are the things that I would imagine a giant disembodied eye to say. Things like anti-magic cone, which just <clears throat> makes all opponents sacrifice an enchantment. And it's in black, so this is the third or fourth time we've seen uh, enchantment messing with black, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but what really gets me is a fear ray. So the art is him just shooting laser beams, and he has fear ray, which gives all creatures menace, and kind of makes everyone scared of them, because, you know, menace, spiritual successor to fear and all that. But it's just, it's the simplicity, it's a giant eyeball, it's got a cone of anti-magic, and it's shooting its laser beams at you. And honestly, like, that's what I'm here for. Once again, I mean, I'm making call-outs call to Pokemon, but it's it's just like, Baleful Beholder, use Fury! Ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's it's the, the cliche of naming your attacks, but it's great. It's great. And they're, they're, they're so on point that they're, like, almost dorky, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm pushing my glasses up. Fury! Hmm. <laughs> Fear! Oil slick! <laughs> <Fury>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining anti-magic cone like a dunce hat that I just get to put on someone who has like a silver library out. Cone. <laughs> oh, you sit under this cone now. You don't get any magic. I imagine it's an ice cream cone, and if you eat it, then you can't use magic, and you trick people into eating it. <laughs> if it's Stewart's ice cream, I'd do it any day of the week. <laughs> all right, I am gonna ruin this one for y'all. The anti-magic cone, literally, the beholder's one big eye. Uh. Anywhere that it is looking, no magic can exist. Beautiful. Damn. And so, That's kind of cool. Like, That's pretty sweet. Honestly, there, for there the beholder, been, not not for us, but yeah, there have been a couple uh, like things written about like beholders as D and D monsters, and they're like canonically super smart. So, if you ever fight a beholder, uh, you should die. Essentially, uh, it just <laughs> That's, rolls random. That's really random. surprising to me laser beams that it shoots out of its eyes. Each eye does a different laser beam. It's super cool, and I think this is a super cool representation. As someone with zero knowledge of D&D, I, found, I find that then really strange, because the only beholders I think I saw in the set were kind of like big, dumb, black monsters. Or, or, or just big, big, dumb monsters. Um, uh, they, Xanathar they is seem... not big and dumb. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's that, that guild kingpin. Uh, Xanathar is dumb in a beautiful way, though. And I will talk about that later. We we stand at. Oh, I hate it. I hate it already. <laughs> Oak, what you got for us? Well, uh, I'll tell you what I got for you, Chev. Something that didn't even follow the prompt to a T, uh, because I'm uh, a big dummy. Um, what I chose for this is Wild Shape, and though it doesn't have 
flavor keywords, um, it <laughs> itself could very well be a flavor keyword because it is just a spell ripped straight out of D and D. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm glad okay. to see so many so many spells like this. Um, it is also modal. Uh, so for wild shape, we got a one mana, one green mana instant. Choose one. Until end of turn, target creature you control has that base power and toughness becomes that creature type, gains that ability. And what that is referring to are the three modes. Uh, the modes being a 1-3 turtle with hexproof, a 1-5 spider with reach, a 3-3 elephant with trample. So, although these kind of all fall under one spell, or what would be a flavor keyword, um, I just think this is <coughs> an absolutely perfect translation of a spell from one uh, realm to another, one game to another, uh, because it is exactly the type of, like, versatility that you that you would want to... Or it provides the exact versatility that you'd um, expect from the spell from its, like, source material, essentially. Because mm -hmm. um, you use Wild Shape to, like, oh, Wild Shape, like, there's a, a giant cavern, I'll turn into a bird and cross it. Um, this one is Wild Shape. Uh, that... My opponent is targeting me with a spell, turn into a hexproof turtle, or my opponent's attacking with a flying creature, or my opponent's attacking with a two two creature or something, or I want to get in some damage over something. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I did like how you had to kind of pick other things because I'm really interested to see how often this is cast to not be a one three turtle with hexproof. Yeah, like, that's I'm, definitely going to be this the as most. like a, a hexproof. Maybe the spider with reach, but then like anything that's big and flying, like is mm -hmm. probably gonna kill your spider. And yep. then the three three elephant with trample is just like, it's <laughs> it's it's great that it's there. I'm I'm glad it's represented. And yep. and maybe it would be good as kind of like a turn two sort of. You have a one one, you drop this, and now you have a three three elephant early. But I yeah, I do that's a great turn two combat me. trick. Mm -hmm. You know what this would be sick with fractals, right? So if someone's attacking, Ooh. and you have like a fract like a a 4-4 four, four fractal, mm -hmm. boom, all of a sudden now it's a 5-6 fractal with reach. Block your dude. Or, you know, you have mm -hmm. a really huge fractal, but you can't get through. Boom, now all of a sudden it's 3 bigger and it's got trample. Yeah, That's true, yeah. Because 1-1 one, one counters, uh, this is only giving the base stats. If anything has a massive amount of 1-1 one, one counters, you could see it as just give it your favorite keyword and go. For real. In a yeah, similar so vein, uh, I think the hexproof is very powerful because it does not only have hexproof it keeps all of its old abilities so if you were in the middle of doing something broken and your opponent tries to remove it you give that hexproof change its base stats no one cares and then you continue doing your broken thing with whatever activated or triggered mm -hmm. ability you were using from that creature that's and then true. you win the game with a turtle yeah that's that's <laughs> the real dub but i, I really think like we're I think I'll try to say the, the Hexproof one will certainly be used mostly in Constructed play, if it sees any Constructed play at all, but I, I think the other two could be good for Limited, potentially. Um, so I'll be mm -hmm. keeping my eye out for it. So should we uh, talk about Commander? Let's hear I mean, about yeah. the Xanthar. I'm not, I'm not excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'm happy to start. Yeah, so... Uh, we had a question of, who's the best commander? It was not phrased as your favorite, so I'm forced to return to the well of Tiamat, who already has a CDH deck in the works. But, 
No one wants to hear about that. So instead, I will be talking about our beautiful boy, Xanthar. This is our third character who has written, quote-unquote, written one of the D&D source books, Xanthar's Guide to Everything. Uh, Xanthar is oh. a beholder who, uh, who wishes to see the world and know everything he can about the world, but sadly needs to stay at home and feed his fish. Uh, and so... <laughs> Uh, he sort of runs this whole operation and information network from his base. Uh, on the card are pictured his beautiful fish. Uh, they're, they're just lovely little gentlemen. Uh, what he, his card says. Yes, what does he in fact do? Let me, yep, uh, I just forgot one of the A's. Xanathar Guild Kingpin. Uh, four and a blue and a black. Uh, for a legendary creature beholder. 5-6. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent. Until end of turn, that player can't cast spells. You may look at the top card of their library anytime. You may also play the top card of their library, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast spells this way. So, uh, Xanathar, at the start of each of your turns, silences one of your opponents, and essentially gives you their deck. Uh, you can't really draw cards from it, but you can cast cards from it. And it just sort of extends your resources and extends your hand. Uh, just starting off by saying you get to silence an opponent every turn is baseline a very powerful effect. In that no counter magic can come from them, no removal spells this turn. Whatever you're landing, they can't mess with it. So if you have, I don't know, say like only one real dedicated control player in your pod, and then you silence them every turn... A, they're going to be very upset, but B, they also can't mess with any of your on-turn plays. Uh, Maybe I'm more excited for Xanathar. Yeah. <laughs> As you get into more casual pods, uh, you can also get more and more mileage out of his ability to play off your opponent's decks. Because, really, like, if your opponent has, like, a bunch of big, heavy stuff on there, all you need is big mana, and then you can just absolutely wheel and deal off the top of their deck and you know, steal their Avengers, steal their, uh, like, big, like, 6-6 six, six or something for 6 that's maybe not going to do a ton for you, but it's a body that you have and they don't. Uh, and it is also play the cards. You can play a land off the top for them. Uh, I, I'm just, I mean, I know you're talking about me, Silence of the Control Player, but I'm just thinking about playing this in any 60-card format where it's just... You only have one opponent. They're just yeah. always silenced. Yeah. Xanthar's up to some stuff. Yeah, for real. For real. Uh, he does also, for anyone who's not able to look at the art right now, my man looks like an absolute goon. Yeah. He's He's got just this weird, weird smile. Uh, so He looks if like you're a Monsters, Inc. Build Xanthar, one thing that I would say is... Uh, definitely try and lean on, like, big mana, big spells, stuff like that, where you can, uh, really generate a lot of mana in a turn, uh, and if you end up having a lot of that mana and your opponents don't have anything great, cast your Torment of Hailfire, cast your, uh, your big blue mana draw spells, uh, stuff like that, uh, but if your opponents do have good stuff, now you'll always have the mana to cast it, and you can sort of hold back your big X-cost spells for later. Uh, additionally... If you're running this as your commander, you should absolutely run Paradox Haze and Sphinx of the Second Sun. Both of them allow you a second upkeep where you can silence an additional opponent and also sort of gain control of their deck. If you have both out and you're playing in a four-person pod, 
you control everyone's deck during your turn, which is just a power fantasy I have to live, where I'm like, all right, everyone, flip the top card, I'm going. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that's going to be very mana-intensive, but Black has some of those big mana things with, like, Urborg Cabal Coffers. Uh, Cabal Sanctuary, I think, is the other big Cabal land. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think Xanathar can do a lot of very cool stuff, and Baseline is just a really interesting card that... Uh, I'm excited to brew around. I think I'm, for now, going to put him at the head of the mill deck, but I expect to make some changes uh, in order to tune it more towards uh, his specialties. <laughs> you mean taking care of fish? Yes. Merfolk tribal? <laughs> no. Fish tribal? Oh, I was going to say, like, Leviathan tribal. Like, bring in the fish. <laughs> oh, that would be cool if you had a deck where Xanathar and two Leviathans were the only creatures. <laughs> oh, dude, what what if you played um Girda as the companion? <laughs> That's Ooh. his fish, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting crazy. Yeah. All right, but uh. That's that's enough about Xanathar. Yeah. Uh, Chev, you've been waiting so long to talk about Volo. I brought him up like four times ago. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, what your deeper thoughts about him are? So I, I, I know I was talking some stuff about uh, Volo earlier, but you know it, it seems like regardless of whether or not he does know these monsters and how to kill them, or if he's just really good at duping the entire world around you, he's probably a good good guy to have on your side. Um and what's crazy to me is he's a, I think it's Simic and two uh, for a 3-2. And nowhere on the card does the text draw a card show up, which is astounding. A Simic legend has nothing to do with drawing cards. It still does broken things, don't get me wrong. It's just not drawing cards to do them. And what, what I really like about Volo is, uh, I'll, I'll read it again because I kind of ran through it last time, is whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type, with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. And and this is this is something, you know, that I really like about magic. You're going to see people for months trying to solve Volo like a Rubik's Cube for the optimal creature allotment. Because, you know, you can only have each creature type in there once. That includes things like Druid or Wizard or all these subtypes as well. You need to pick what are the top creatures that don't overlap and give you the ability to copy them. Um... And then you're also going to see people open this and immediately put together something fun with their draft chaff. So there's like a lot to do, but also a strict enough requirement to do it in that it doesn't feel completely kind of broken like Tulane or one of these other ones that's do whatever you want, draw a card afterward. Um, so some quick words, of course. Don't play changelings. Uh, there are few worse non-bows than having a changeling in your graveyard that has all creature types and then you're just out of luck. Uh, legendary creatures, of course, watch out for. You will be able to copy them, so if they have great ETB abilities, awesome, but otherwise you might want something like new Sakshima or Mirror Gallery. Um, but that being said, you can still get a great mileage out of like a Venser, Shaper, Savant, or an Uro, where the most effect is them coming onto the battlefield. And as for where I could kind of see Volo going, is I'd expect Volo to find a home with a lot of the same cards as Adrix and Nev Twincasters, which was the um, Quandrix... Commander 2021 deck, uh, where they should also be in the 99 um, of that deck. And you, including things like Doubling Season, Primal Vigor, all of that to really help you get as many copies of your powerful creatures as possible. 
Um, and honestly, you know, it's a great it's a great creature for beginners because you can look into and it's really easy to kind of build a deck based on creature types as opposed to really in-depth themes. And while you can definitely go there, it can be just as fun to buy the Simic Precon from Commander 21 and just kind of run with it because a lot of the themes are the same with, hey, you got cool tokens, let's double them and just do crazy stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see where the math lands on Volo as of like, mm -hmm. well, is it if we have two really, really good like, dragons or leviathans or um, like tree folk or anything, is it ever worth it to run two and accept that sometimes you're not going to get a, t a copy? Right. And then like just sort of where where people end up drawing that line for themselves is something I'm uh, something I'm really interested in. I think it'd be really interesting to see how many of the cards from green that are like, take your graveyard and shuffle it into your library. If those become an absolute resource when you're playing a creature, but you already have that creature type and you're trying to remove all instances of it to gain that double. Yeah. We might see things like Gaia's Blessing or some of those older regen cards that don't bring it back to your hand being even more impactful. Although putting it in your hand is right, pretty much just as good. <laughs> So. I'm, I'm just thinking of a lot of those we see either cost a lot of mana uh, or only get a couple cards. Like Regrowth, true, it could get you the one target, but if you have a handful of creatures and a handful of creatures and a graveyard full of creatures, you can remove them all for much cheaper with one of those shuffle into the decks. Yeah. But you're right. Things like Wildest Dreams, uh, the Seasons new one passed. from this set, uh, all those would be great. Yeah, Seasons Passed. Gotta shout out my man Momir Big 2 in the 99, because then you can just... Uh... Get whatever you need to copy whenever you want. Ooh, yeah. Momervig in the 99. All creatures being multicolored is perfect. Give yourself all the restrictions. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I also appreciate that this Simic Commander, like you said, does not draw a card. Also doesn't do anything with ramp, which is like, ooh. Oh, yes. Just... No, it's it's exactly what you want. And something that's kind of, it's, it's this unique space we've seen Simic go into really since the beginning of the year of copying spells specifically and i'm sure it'll get broken you know a year in the future but for now we're, we're kind of still in a happy place it's a nice different take mm -hmm. just wait until uh I, i've totally forgotten what i was gonna say literally uh, oh no sorry just wait until uh i'm out there copying all my mana dorks you'll see you'll all see oh wow. i mean maybe maybe this is the eldrazi commander we've been looking for Oh god! Uh, maybe it isn't doors, actually get out there. because Drop. it's specifically anti-tribal. <laughs> That's true, but the first one, the first one's a problem. Oh, the first one's gonna go. <laughs> Too bad most of the good ones are legends. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I got two Emrakuls. Right, so it's probably not the Eldrazi commander. I mean, <laughs> Desolation Twin would be a would be a rough one. Four, 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 ten, four tens. Ten tens. <laughs> Just do that. Play. Uh... Does the copied spell get cast? It is just copied. Okay, so I it doesn't get cast. So we only get two two ten tens. Three ten tens. Or three ten tens. Is it not when you when it enters? All ninety nine percent of Eldrazi are cast, except oh. for like one for fun. Thought gotcha. not seer is enter the battlefield. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. All right, what it's else cast. we got? I got so, a guy. I got a boy. Oh, sorry. Did you want? Mine's. I mean, mine's pretty Oswald? quick. I'll just go real quick. Yeah, uh, I, I got Oswald Fiddlebender, who is um, <laughs> not Oswald the a, Octopus. A great name. <laughs> no, I wish. Um, he's fiddling. Yep, he's fiddling and he's bending. Um, 
bend, metal bending, specifically. Uh, this man is basically pod for artifacts on a creature. Um, its ability is one, white, tap it, sack an artifact, search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to one plus the... You know the rest. Um, this is this guy's really cool. I, I think it's really cool because his cost is one and a white, which means that if you want to run him as a commander, you're in mono-white, baby. And, um, you know, for the longest time, I've struggled with finding, like, a deck to play as, like, a cool toolbox deck because, like, let's be real, like, if you're playing toolbox, you're playing a bunch of tutors, you just, like... You could just tutor up a two-card combo and just win, right? You, why, why play something that disrupts your opponent's plan when you could just play a spell that wins? But maybe with, honestly, the restrictions, and you know, restrictions make for good, um, interesting decks, I think. Uh, the restrictions of this guy being a mono-white commander, you could actually make toolbox deck happen. Um, I know Eric's sitting there thinking about Mycosynth Lattice and tutoring any card out of your deck, uh, and how that's just going to be able to... He is now. Break. I was not, but now I am, and that's sick. Um, and so uh, I'm just gonna live these next uh, 24 hours in happy ignorance. Well, <laughs> before Eric tells me the combo, I mean, Once he figures it out. It's just go get Karn and Micah Synthlatus. Yeah. yeah, and then everyone's sad. That's it. It's no, no one's fun. no one's having a good time. All right, oh boy, and White has all the uh, <laughs> all the Planeswalker tutors too. Yep, that's true. Well, I hate myself. Julie, well, tells there me. it is. <laughs> I will say this: this is a cool. I, I didn't even see this guy when I was looking through. He, he might have been the last one spoiled, but it's 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 cool. It's it's powerful, and it's once again. I mean, they easily could have put this on like a blue card or literally anything other than White, but they gave it to White, which is nice because now White has a powerful option. And if you want to play something like a Boros deck, or like a Lorehold deck, really, because Lorehold's the ones that's been doing stuff with artifacts. This, I think, is probably almost an auto-include as well, so. Yeah, he yeah. might go in Oscar. Oh, word up. Oswald? Oh, I think that'd be great Oscar. Oswald and Oscar. The Oz I, brothers. I want to bring special attention to his flavor text, because we've, we've talked about Oswald being a cool version of Birthing Pod, but for artifacts, and the R is him kind of standing in a hot air balloon, but the text is, can't see this airship crashing in the near future. Sturdy as a rock, which makes me think he's very sure it's going to crash in the a little later than that. <laughs> I, to me, I I think it's just like a Hindenburg reference, where it's just the arrogance of like this will never nah, crash. <laughs> I think it's also the name like Fiddlebender. Like it's it's not a, a powerful like I am a mage crafting new tools. It's like I'm a tinker with it. It's like the equivalent of kicking it and it turns back on. Yeah. It's like, like, I got something slightly better. Like, I, like, I applied duct tape, and now it's worth one more mana. It's mm. like Goblin Tinker or, like, Goblin Engineer. He's yeah, just yeah. Like, it's, hey, it's uh, I got rid of this this good thing and made you this crap. So, <laughs> that's kind of what he's doing. Oh boy. He's a halfling, so he's also small. Uh, he's a gnome, no, he's a gnome. actually. Well, are there halflings? Yes. Uh, there's yeah, there are. Creature? Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's the one, like... Oh, shit. There's uh, the th one they, they spoiled to introduce it. There's there's some creature types that just snuck in because there's gnomes. Um, yeah. Tieflings got their own creature type too on like two or three. The Yuan T did not. That. They're all snake rogues. There but we did get a lot ones. of the, the classes. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, I stand corrected. Nine. I thought gnome was just a shoe in word for a halfling in this case. Uh, but Notably, Dragonborn also did not get their own thing. They are just dragons, which the Ur Dragon 
supports. Yeah. Well, that's because people would be like, Fus Roda, <laughs> whatever they thought. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Bethesda would probably be like, we're going to sue you, and then they'd have to point to like 20 years of D&D books and be like, how did yeah. you sit down? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Well, there's a bunch of those. There's, you know, there's halflings and teethlings and one-quarterlings and whatever, but you know what? There's not any freaking demon orcs. Why is that a problem, Julian? I'm here to talk about Orcus, Prince of Undeath, who is pretty sick, but there's there's one glaring flaw, and that is, his name is Orcus, and he's a creature-type demon. Not orc, not even demon orc, but just a demon. And I'm freaking pissed off about that. Julian, is your, name, is, is your name Human Julian? <laughs> no, Sh- because that'd up. be dumb. You're, you're dumb. I am Orcus the Orc. You're dumb for I'm not- I'm Orc Orcuson, son of Orc-type <laughs> Orc. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, Orcus, <laughs> Prince of Undeath, um, straight up, probably the first Rakdos commander I've been excited about, maybe literally ever, uh, but especially with the, the last few few years of uh, the ones they've been putting on the commander product. So uh, he is a X2 red-black for a 5-3 legendary creature demon with flying and trample. Now you might be wondering, an X, that's spicy, that's, that's some nice little flexibility. Well, what happens is when he enters the battlefield, you get to choose one. Each other creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn and you lose X life or you return up to X target creature cards with total mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield and they get haste. So I love, once again, he's the first Rakdos commander I've been excited about because a lot of the Rakdos commanders have been like very kind of phoning it in, in my opinion. Uh, But I love the versatility that they're giving to uh, basically not a Simic uh, legend. Um, but he's not, even though there's a nice versatility and it's kind of fresh to what they've been doing, it's not breaking the color pie like we've seen um, in some sort of thing. So you get this kind of interesting choice when you cast him. Do you need to wrath the board? And then maybe even potentially, I mean, you're in red, you might have haste enablers. Uh, just start beating in with Orcus. He's flying, he's got trample, he, he's an evasive threat. Or uh, do you want to do some sort of discarding, um, which they've been supporting a lot recently, or also sacrifice, um, sort of thing and just play him as a mass reanimation spell to do whatever it is you might want to do so uh at every at every moment that you might be able to play him there's there's two very diverse uh, strategies you could go for um and like you know you could have a sacrifice deck but that uh, slash reanimation deck but then if you're just like falling behind you can just be like well i'm just gonna nuke the board and also screw your indestructible threats because minus x minus x which i think is pretty sick uh, lastly, the art is metal is all hell. This guy should have been in call time. That's all I'm saying. He should have got that uh, signature treatment. That would have been sick. Oh, Plus, been he nice. also goes Red really Carter, good though. with the mass mana creation of mm-hmm. black uh, cabal coffers, that sort of thing. Or if you're playing like a, yeah. a mana geyser, uh, you know you can you can really hit Orcus. So, so w- one question I have is. Um... The, the last ability, return up to X target creature cards with total mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. That means if I have X equals to 10, I can return up to 10 target creature cards, but their combined mana value can't be over 10? Yes. Uh, I'm okay. not actually sure that might be it. Because so- the word total in there, the- there's there's no oracle text yet. They they haven't printed the Well, the what the it. heck? But yeah. I'm thinking that's how it works because they don't say with mana value X or less, so it's not like you could reanimate 10... 10 tens i i think it's you have to get that mm-hmm. within the the cost okay that makes it slightly 
less good than I thought it was, but I think it's still pretty solid. I mean, if you're if you are running a sacrificey sort of deck, mm -hmm. excuse me, uh, a lot of those creatures are small utility-ish anyway. So I mean, this exactly. Rasir, this Rasir is is one mana, you know, low striders three. So you're going to be able to get a lot if you're generating the type of mana that you would need to fully utilize Orcus. Nice. And if you really want, you can play Conspiracy and make all creatures type Orc. I'm right. True. Wait, is Conspiracy black or red? It's black. Conspiracy's black. And then I can play Patriarch's bidding to reanimate all my all orcs. My orcs. <laughs> all my all my forced conversion orcs. <laughs> oh no. Well, um, Orcus might be something that I'll build in the future, but we all have commander decks already completed. And uh there's some cards in this set that we are probably already looking at purchasing and putting into said commander deck. So, boys, what are some cards that you already have a home for from the Adventures in the Forgotten Realms? Um, I'll go again, because I, I didn't honestly have, have a ton. There, there are a lot of, like, cards that I was like, oh, that'd be sweet. Or, like, I'd, I'd put something in it if I pulled one, but I wasn't like, I'm not buying, I'm buying one of those, you know, for a lot of these. Um, the one exception to that, I'll say, is the class enchantments. I'm really digging a lot of these, um, especially Barbarian class, I think, and Monk and Sorcerer class would both go uh, really well in a Storm deck. And I'm now on the Storm kick after playing Eric's Sorcerer deck and then making my own PDH Sorcerer deck. So um, I would definitely keep my eyes peeled for those classes. Um, and that's about all I have. Those could go in your Kaikar deck. I don't have a Kaikar deck. You could make a Kaikar deck. You made that. This is true. Oh, that was for that was for one of the pods. Never mind. That was for yeah. one of the pods. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've got a little bit more, but still, still not a ton that I'm looking at. Uh, Instrument of the Bards. Um, it is another, uh, almost birthing pod style, effect. Uh, kind of like it a Yisan, right? One. Uh, or, oh no, sorry. Yes, it's much more Yisan than uh, birthing pod. Uh, one green. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a harmony counter on instrument of the bards for, uh, three and, and three generic and one green tap it, search your library for a creature card, with mana value equal to the number of harmony counters on instrument of the bards, reveal it, put it in your hand. If it's legendary, make a treasure token. So it's essentially just really good at drawing you legendary creatures. And I'm going to put that obviously in my mono green legends deck. That deck is very very short on draw and uh is not really usually short on mana so spend four draw a creature with mana value that i control seems pretty good uh i'm thinking about wizard spellbook for golos but i'm, I'm still not even that sh sold on it it's just a big card uh it's five and two blue Tap, exile target, instant or sorcery from a graveyard, a graveyard, notably not yours, necessarily. Roll a d20. Activate this only as a sorcery. I can, you can either copy the card, cast the copy, copy the card, cast the copy and pay one instead of its mana cost. That's 10 to 19. The first one was 1 to 9. And then on a 20, uh, copy every card exiled with Wizard Spellbook. You may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana cost. So, uh, <clears throat> it's just kind of a high roll, like, value engine that I think Golos could use. And then, uh, we've been over some of these, so I'm not going to read their full descriptions. 
Old Gnawbone, Imrith Desert Doom, Evan Death Drake, and Lich, Draco Lich all going in your dragon. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, yeah, they're all giant dragons. They're all nuts. It's going to be great. The real question is what dragons are you taking out for them? Uh, Lance, next question. <laughs> easy, easy answer, I should have guessed. Speaking of lands, I'm actually putting some in uh, some of my decks. Uh, specifically the man lands for my uh, my Chromium Esper Control deck. So that is the Cave of the Frost Dragon, which is the white one, the Hive of the Eye Tyrant, which is the black one, and the Hall of Storm Giants. So there's a cycle of monocolored man lands um, in this set. And they also have this, this weird text, which is if you have two or more other lands. So if this is your third land or further on into the game, they enter tapped. I don't really know why they have that other than just we don't want you to be able to play this and immediately block. But whatever, I guess. I mean, It's because it taps for mana. They don't want it to just be as good as a swamp or a plains. Because it has those added abilities, but it doesn't want to hurt you in the early game. So since they tap for a blacker, we we haven't seen cards that tap for colored mana that aren't basics that come in untapped since Kamigawa with the legendary lands. You know, I didn't believe you, but I think you're right. So, cool. But anyway, <laughs> I, I like what they've done with these. One, the names are all sick, and then they all have varying... Uh, like, it's not, like, very standardized like some of the man, set, man land sets have been. They... I think they vary from, like, X in a green, which is, like, a, a Hydra. Like, you can just make it however big as, as you want, all the way up to, uh, I think, Hall of the Storm Giants is uh, 5 and a blue to make a 7-7 seven, seven, uh, with Ward 3. So, they, they vary across, like, the entire mana spectrum, which is uh, nice. And they all are very different creatures with different abilities. Like, Cave of the Frost Dragon becomes, like, a, you know, a 3-4 white dragon creature with flying. Hive of the Eye Tyrant, it becomes a 3-3 Beholder with uh, Menace, and also whenever it attacks, exile target card from Defender Player's Graveyard. So, there's a nice wide range of abilities. Um, but basically, these are just... They essentially slot in for a uh, basic land in Chromium, and they are just more threats without me actually having to play more threats, which is, I'm, I'm all about that. When, you know, my land base can just all of a sudden start hitting, especially when I just, you know, I, I, I manage to stabilize, slam a Wrath, and then I'm just like, all right, well, I'm just going to animate two of my man lands and start getting in there while you guys, you know, are trying to recoup. So those are definitely going straight in. They also have, one of the biggest things is they also have the sick uh, dungeon module uh, showcase, so I'm, I'm going to be picking up those. A couple honorable mentions for things that might happen, but might not. Uh, All-Star in our D&D game, you happen upon a Glade, two and a green instant, choose one, journey on, search your library for up to two basic land cards, reveal them, put in your hand, and shuffle, or make camp, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, Tat is very much, Tatiova, Benthic Druid is very much optimized currently, but this is something that I could see going in there depending on how things shake out. Um, it, it, it is the most likely to go into that deck out of all the cards in this set. so And also, I felt like I just needed to shout it out because it, it did put in a lot of work in our game. And then also, uh, Chev talked about Emmendeth. Uh, Eric did as well. Emmendeth, um, Draco Lich. I'm currently in the process of building a, a Demir sort of instant, pe instant speed flash, cast things on other people's turns deck. This is just a nice threat that also has flash, so that could go in there as well. Yeah, like Oak, I, I didn't really have a lot of, lot of picks from this set. I think it's just... <clears throat> I've been building around more specific strategies recently. So unless, you know, they're, they're a subtype or a theme to the uh, set, 
it's harder for me to find copies of cards that I want to include besides just generic good stuff. But one card I thought really stood out was Treasure Vault for Osgur. It's a rare artifact land, comes in on tap, taps for colorless, and tap 2x and it, sacrifice Treasure Vault, put down x uh, treasure tokens. So because it's an artifact, you get the affinity shenanigans for the other formats. What I'm really interested in is I can play it sack it for these treasures and reanimate it with Oscar because it is a artifact with zero mana cost. Um, so I can just tap Oscar, make two copies and do it all again for more mana. So it just has a lot of synergy there and I think would be a good include. The other two picks I have are actually for PDH decks. Um, Dueling Rapier for a Valduk Keeper of the Flame deck. I haven't really shown off yet, but it's a two mana or no, it's a one red mana equipment. Uh, Flash enters the battlefield, equip like we saw from a couple Zendikar um, equipments and I think one in call time. But it gives creature plus two plus zero. So Valda, Keeper of the Flame, at the beginning of combat, uh, you create a 3-1 elemental for each um, artifact, each equipment that is equipped and each aura that enchants him. So this would be something good. You throw it in at the end of a turn or right before combat to kind of boost you, get you that extra 3-1, make Valdic a little bigger. And the second one is Shambling Ghast for Sheree, which I have played a few times and written a little bit about. It's a 1-1 one, one for 1, but when it dies, you can give a, a creature an opponent controls minus 1, minus 1 until end of turn or create a treasure. So given a outlet like a Ashnod's Altar or any, any outlet really, you can start generating treasures with each turn in the turn cycle and you could come back to your turn with three extra mana to play with um, which is sometimes really huge so i think that would be a good include for that versatility and also being able to kill small utility creatures love it love it love it love it well we didn't skip any of these did we because oh lord if we did uh, i don't think no. we did and i don't think we're going back i was gonna say yeah, if that, we did a... ain't no way we're going back <clears throat> nope. This is uh this is solidly the longest that we have ever recorded, and thusly I'm going to jam the outro out as quick as possible. Um, if you like Hex Shrinkers content and you want to either interact with us or see more of that that content, uh, there is a bunch of different places that you can look. Uh, namely, all of them will be either at Hex Shrinkers or at the Hex Shrinkers. So search that, you'll find us. Um, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitch, we've got YouTube. Uh, we also have our website, hexdrinkers.com. That's where you're going to find our articles as well as you can find this podcast and links or you know various ways to get to pretty much everything else we've discussed here. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can also hit us up at hexdrinkers at gmail.com. Finally, if you want even more content, you really love what we're doing, you want to support the show, we would greatly appreciate if you go over to patreon.com slash Hex Drinkers. There you can get the full unedited version of this uh, the podcast, so you can see the full uh, glory of our longest cast ever. Uh, you'll get access to all of our show notes, so if, you know, usually we kind of just ramble and are somewhat unintelligible in terms of what we're trying to speak about. If you want to see our, our notes in coherent form and kind of how we set everything up, you can get access to that. Um, we can even potentially do a podcast about your deck, see episode 20. So if you want to go support us, you can go and support us for as little as $1 per show. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash hexdrinkers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Boys, it's been a pleasure adventuring in the Forgotten Realms. Does anyone want to say anything before I plunge us into the void? I don't want to go back to the void. I want to go back to the void. (laughs) 
All right, well, send them back. This this has been the Hex Drinkers, and we are signing out.